Well, welcome, Kathleen. Uh, we're going to just jump right in. Uh, you and I met uh, in our mastermind group. Uh, we'll share a little bit of that history moving forward. But uh, right now, about four quick, rapid fire questions for you. Um, the first question being, share the best part of your entrepreneurial journey. Well, it's a good thing there is a best part because it's been very hard in many ways. But I would say the best part of my entrepreneurial journey is being forced to get to know myself and to discover who that is that I am presenting to the world. Because uh, I think I've spent most of my life not knowing who that person is. So that's, that's been a real gift. I love that answer. I don't think I've ever heard that type of answer before. That is amazing. And I think it's probably a lot to do with the growth opportunities that we go through as entrepreneurs, right? That's yeah. great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love for it. Me, can I keep going about this? Absolutely. Okay. So I think for me, because I went through a period of um, my business kind of crashing and burning during COVID and me spending a lot of time with my family and helping with the care of my grandchildren, I, during that period, I kind of got old. I kind of crossed the threshold from that weird state between getting old and being old. <laughs> and uh, it was just been really painful to put myself out there on social media and be on camera as a much older person. And that has forced me to get real with myself and just accept parts of myself that actually I've never accepted ever. So that's okay. We are digging deep into that one when in the podcast. So hold on to that thought because that is amazing. Um, the, the, the second question I've got for you is what advice Speaking of midlife, and um, what advice do you have for hesitant women in midlife considering entrepreneurship? Um, gosh, that's a that's a tricky one. I would say keep it simple <laughs> and don't try to do everything yourself. And uh, believe in yourself. Just really believe um, with your heart and soul that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. And that urge to make a difference in the world will carry you through the hard times because it is an up and down road. There's no question about it. Uh, maybe some people have just ridden through smoothly through it, but I've never met anybody who has. I don't think I have either, to be honest. So no, that's great. That's great advice. Uh, third question, what inspired you to start your business later in life? Well, I'd always been in business in one way or another. I was a yoga teacher. I had a couple of yoga studios. I had a bed and breakfast in Hawaii for a number of years. Uh, I, you know, I just always wanted to kind of be my own boss. And I always had something I wanted to do uh, that wasn't on the usual job descriptions that uh, were of interest to me. Um, what caused me to become very, very determined to uh, talk about natural skeletal alignment of all things uh, mm -hmm. was being introduced to this information and having it transform my relationship with my body so dramatically that I just felt compelled. It was like a faucet had been turned on and here I am 
30 plus years later, and I still couldn't turn this faucet off even if I tried, so. Okay, I love it, I love it. And then the last question is, how has entrepreneurship later in life impacted your overall well-being? Well, it's just opened so many doors. It's introduced me to so many amazing people. It's um, given me a chance to feel valuable um, and to have a real purpose in at this stage in my life when I know a lot of people are just struggling. They've retired and they wish they had a real interest and purpose to their lives. Uh, so I'm really grateful for, for all of that. And um, yeah, I, it's it's a journey and I'm still on it. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you, Kathleen. All right. So Kathleen, first of all, welcome to This Is 50, Freedom Through Passions. You and I met a couple of years ago now. We were talking in our pre-call. I had thought we only met a year ago. I cannot believe how fast time flies. You joined uh, the Early Bird Mastermind group that uh, I put together three years ago. I still can't believe we meet. We meet quite religiously every Thursday. I mean, not all of us can make it at that same time, but we have set a Tuesday morning, early morning uh, mastermind call that we go through uh, all of our challenges and tribulations. We share ideas. We share all these great things that we're doing in our online businesses. And I think we can successfully say now that everybody has launched some type of program based on our working together. So it's been a real pleasure to get to know you and you're you're uh, like a fire in the in the group. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast um, to talk a little bit about your business. Uh, two things. One is how you got into your business and two sort of the ups and downs as as we go through uh, launching a business. So give a little bit of a backstory on who Kathleen is and then we'll get a little bit deeper into the the, the nitty gritty details. Yeah. Well, I started out uh, just generally kind of lost in many ways in my life. I just, I didn't really look, reflecting back from where I am now. Uh, and this is one of the things I left out in my little advice for um, uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. I would say, really get your goals clear. Get to know who you are and what you want in life. Because I didn't know that. I just kind of charged out into life. Uh, I'm a bit of a period piece. I grew up uh, in the 60s. I was in, graduated from high school in 1964. And um, I, while I was in college at the University of Maryland, everything was happening, the Vietnam War. Uh, when I was in high school, I had been very involved in the civil rights movement. And so I was just um, sort of politically active in that way. And then, of course, the, you know, the hippie movement just drew me in and I ended up moving to San Francisco in 19, awesome. 1969, right in the middle of it all. Um, and that's where I actually met my future husband. Um, and we uh, spent an entire summer traveling across the United States in a hippie van. It was a little handcrafted house that someone had built on top of a flatbed truck. And then we spent time in New York and Europe and eventually ended up in Hawaii, which is uh, where he grew up. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, we lived on Oahu, mostly in Honolulu, for 10 years. Uh, and our first child was born there, our daughter, our oldest daughter. And then uh, we moved to the Big Island. Um, and along the way, I uh, had already developed an interest in yoga. Now, back then, yoga was not popular yet. And it was mm -hmm. considered kind of on the fringes, kind of weird. Okay. Um, and but some people will who are old enough will remember uh, the PBS yoga program with Lilius Folan. Uh, she's the one who introduced me to yoga, and I used to religiously sit in front of a television set and do yoga with her. And um, and that interest never left. Really, I mean, it came and went, but uh, it was always you know part of the the fabric of my my life. And it was an interesting time to be on the Big Island um, with an interest in yoga because the Big Island was be slowly becoming kind of a mecca for uh, yoga retreats, yoga teachers, well-known, especially I was really into Iyengar style yoga back then. And these uh, well-known Iyengar yoga teachers would come and, and teach and do workshops. And so it was a great opportunity for me to um, really immerse myself. And uh, eventually I got certified to teach through the Shivananda Vedanta uh, organization um, and began teaching. And I opened a yoga studio in um, downtown Hilo. Uh, I believe it was the first uh, yoga studio in Hilo. There was one or two in Kona by that time. Uh, and I think somebody was teaching at the Y, but I had this funky little uh, yoga studio, which I had for quite a few years in Hilo. And um, and then um, life went on. I had two more children and uh, I was a busy mom and I just did various uh, jobs and community work on the side. And then I entered a period of as my children were becoming teenagers and my oldest daughter was leaving home. Uh, I just moved into a period of um sort of intense midlife upheaval. <laughs> um, I, I also uh, had forgotten to mention that I went to massage school and trained to be a massage therapist, which I also did um, in part with my uh, yoga, but yoga really won out. And I, you know, pretty much devoted my time to that. I had also gotten very involved in uh, Vipassana uh, insight meditation. And so I had, um, maintained a pretty regular practice and had uh, joined a lot of retreats. But um, my marriage was definitely in trouble and my husband and I were really struggling. And we eventually decided to um, part ways, but we weren't didn't really part ways because we had moved. By this time we'd been living, um, I lived, we started out in Hilo. My studio was in Hilo. My children went to school in Hilo, but we lived uh, 26 miles up the hill on the slopes of, or at the summit of Kilauea Volcano okay. Wow! Um, in the town of uh, Volcano Village, which is right at the entrance to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. And uh, just a wonderfully vibrant uh, community of people, wonderful people. And, um, we had a six acre parcel with our wonderful old home on it and we subdivided it. And my husband built a little house on his end and I had mine and our 
driveways went out into different roads. So we didn't see each other's comings and goings, even though we pretty much saw each other every day. We uh, were still, we had made the conscious decision that if we were not going to be a couple anymore, we were still going to be a family. And so we were able to really pretty much maintain that and to maintain a really um, pleasant and cordial relationship all these years. So I'm really grateful to him. He's a wonderful man and a beautiful father. And I'll always be really grateful for, um, for having him in my life. That's great. Um, and so then we, um, my daughter left for college and I turned the, our home into a bed and breakfast. Not, there were cottages already on the property, uh, close to the house. So this was not a situation where people were coming into our home. That would not have been a vacation for them yeah. at all. <laughs> but there were these cottages and, uh, and then I turned the, the, um, Living room of the house was quite large. Uh, I turned it into my second yoga studio and um, also a meditation hall for meditation um, classes that were sometimes held there. And then one of the bedrooms that was on a separate end of the house became a treatment room and massage therapists and um, an acupuncturist would come and see clients there. So that was um, sort of a little functioning um wellness center and then my next door neighbor um started clearing out the forest so this the community of volcano is in a forest it's just a spectacular uh upland hawaiian rainforest and um deserves to really be treasured and the i lived right on the main road where there were a couple of stores and a couple of restaurants get gas station and um houses tucked away and my neighbor put in an application for a lumber warehouse right next door um and i mean really close to my little honeymoon cottage and my wellness center and it really just added to all the own, my own personal upheaval that i was going through because i became kind of a figure in the community um, in terms of, you know, it was almost like mini politics in America today. There were people who really wanted the lumber warehouse and there were people who really opposed it. And the people who opposed it kind of lined up behind me. And I got caught in this weird thing of being the focal point of, because I had standing supposedly with the county planning commission that would make the decision. And um, anyway, I, it was a hard, hard time. And I made the decision that if he were given his permit, that I would sell my place and move. And if he were not given the permit, I would stick it out. And um, he got his permit. And uh, so it was just as my, our youngest child, um, our son, was leaving for college. And um, so I was off on a whole new adventure. I delivered my son to college and flew to New Zealand and met my oldest daughter, who was now, she had gotten a master's in education and was teaching, um, had gotten a job as a teacher in New Zealand. And when I got there, it was the beginning, beginning of summer vacation. 
So she and I spent six weeks driving around New Zealand together and uh, staying in these um, backpackers is what they call the um, hostels. And it was just a glorious time for us. And then I headed off from there to Burma and went into a silent meditation retreat in a monastery for two months. Okay, so I'm going to stop you for a second because we're getting um, really deep into your story, and and it's great. So, so basically, so let's just summarize where you where you're at. You spent most of your time in in the on the islands of Hawaii. Uh, you have always been a yogi, so this is amazing. So you've just sort of taken your whole life and just evolved. Really, is what the story how this story is going. So you become this yogi, you have this, you know, this sort of event that happens where your husband and you have sort of decided to decouple as a, as a relationship, but stayed a couple in terms of a family um, and raising your kids properly. Your uh, beautiful bed and breakfast uh, retreat area gets disrupted by a lumber uh, warehouse. Um, I can only imagine that means chainsaws and, and lots of noise. So it's not going to work anymore. So you sell that. And now you're at a stage in your life. How old are you at this age where you are, you know, really? Am, yeah. How old am I? I am now um, in my fifties. Um, I've, I've moved into, well, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. Um, yeah. My husband and I separated um, when I was in about 46 years old. Mm -hmm. and uh, But then I headed off to Burma when I was in my mid-50s. Okay. So now yeah. you're, you're in your mid-50s and you are currently working towards yet another reinvention. So it's been sort of evolution, <laughs> but now yeah. this is feeling like a, a reinvention because you've lost your, 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 your business that was in Hawaii. And now you're in your mid fifties. You really are free. Your kids are now left the nest. Um, so now you're, you're at a stage of reinvention. Okay. So now you go to the monastery and what, what, what drew you to the monastery? Like how did you know you needed to do that type of, I guess, Searching. Well, I already, yeah, I already had a relationship with this form of meditation, this okay. uh, mindfulness insight uh, meditation. And I thought that I was well prepared <laughs> to handle a two month uh, rigorous retreat. I had done um, 10 day retreats, um, but I had never experienced anything like this. And I, I can't say that I was rejoicing in the freedom that I had now that my children were grown. If anything, I resented the hell out of them for growing up and leaving me. And um, because now I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to be a woman alone in the world. And it terrified me. And especially because I was a woman who didn't really, you know, I've always had an ability to kind of present myself with people are always surprised to discover that I haven't always felt really confident <laughs> mm -hmm. because I, I think I just put up a good front maybe, but I, um, 
you know, I was just falling apart. And I think I was seeking refuge and some sort of clarity from um, going deep within. And uh, looking back on it now, I, at the time, I thought I was just kind of crazy. But looking back on it, I, I realized I was very brave and I was um, very uh, smart to um, understand that it was time to kind of reinvent myself, but not just reinvent myself and come up with <laughs> someone I wanted to be, but find out who I really am. You know, Kathleen... And I, I wanted to stop you there for a second because so you're in your mid fifties now and you are looking at this reinvention and I honestly believe that the fact, like you said, I, I had the courage uh, to do something about it. And I think that so many women, you know, you talked about being resentful that your kids have grown up. You no longer had your, what was always your purpose, which was to, to your kids, um, you had your business and those that was your life. And now you have these things that are happening and you've lost what you exactly. think is everything. And yeah. I think a lot of women in their 50s are feeling the same way. They feel like they've just lost everything. And how do you at this stage in life reinvent yourself? And that is the number one question that I'm going to tell you probably 99% of the women I know uh, in their 50s go through. So you mm -hmm. go to the monastery, you're there for two months, what's happening? Mm -hmm. Well, so what's happening is the the beginning of it. I mean, it's like really boot camp. <laughs> it is um, a Buddhist monastery. Everybody there is um, either a monk or a nun. There are, you know, there's some lay people like myself dressed in our little crisp white blouses and brown long skirts with a little sash across our chest. And um, basically everybody is pretty much from that part of the world, Southeast Asia area, more or less. Um, and there are a few Americans and a few Europeans. Uh, we never get to know each other at all or be able to speak because, you know, we're there to meditate and we're not allowed to even look in each other's eyes. I was very aware of all of these rules because this is the way meditation retreats are. Uh, and I had done a number of them, but they were nothing like this. Um, so Burmese was the language that was spoken. And um, there was an interpreter um, and there were there was always help, and the people were so kind. <laughs> they were so good. Um, but there was no connection. You were really, it was like being thrown into a, the deep end of a swimming pool and not knowing how to swim and having to figure, figure it out. You weren't going to completely drown because you knew people would rescue you if they came to that. But except for that... <laughs> That was the only um, safety net that you had. And so, yeah, I just, um, uh, we got up at 4.30 and we had to be in the meditation hall by 4.30. There was a big wooden gong that would sound in the morning to, to wake us up. And we would go into the meditation hall and meditate and chant. And then we'd have breakfast at something like around 6 a.m. And then we'd have lunch at 1130. And then that was it for food for the day. There was a 
little very small glass of juice in the middle of the afternoon if you wanted it and um the rest of the time it was just um food before noon mm. and at first it was hard i mean i would just like stuff myself at lunch just <laughs> stuff myself. And then I just sit there with indigestion during the afternoon meditation. So I kind of got over that and then I got used to it. And it really wasn't, it wasn't hard to, to keep that food schedule at all anymore. Um, but we, we would sit for an hour and walk for an hour and sit for an hour and walk for an hour and sit for an hour and walk for an hour. All, and then we do this until 930 at night. In the middle of the afternoon, there was a one-hour lecture, um, and that was always very interesting. But, of course, I you know, had to listen to uh, audio tapes of the translation during that period. And, um, yeah, it was, so you spent, it was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. And then there was that was the first month. And the second month was glorious. Mm -hmm. I had, I just had experiences that I don't even, I don't even know how to find words to describe some of what I experienced, but I had these breakthroughs that were just awesome. (laughs) And the last month, the second month was just fabulous. And I really contemplated staying, Mm -hmm. except that my middle daughter was graduating from college on the East coast and um i had to, i had to be there mm-hmm. and so i left and um so okay so you're you're there for 2 months you leave you kind of you know so sort of integrate yourself back into the world what did mm-hmm. what lessons did you take or what aha moments did you have because at the end of the day you are now doing uh skeletal type work in your your program now yes. um i want to get to that pretty yeah. quick here so you are you've taken your yoga background you've taken your your life events that have caused you to maybe have to do a bit of a reevaluation a reinvention uh you spend two months in the monastery first month a little bit tough to get through but the second one was a bunch of aha moments for you and and really powerful movements so mm-hmm. you you leave there and then are you still sort of thinking like i still don't know what i want out of my life or was that sort of um, what you needed to start saying, okay, now I'm going to move into something different? Yeah. So this, this is hard for me to understand. I think what happened to me was that I lost all ambition on some level. I still really wanted to share this information that um, I will be sharing with you shortly. Um, But I, didn't have any motivation to um, sell or make money. Um, You know, I just kind of was into full acceptance of being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's kind of who I had become in that that time. Um, And I was kind of fearless for a while. I was pretty fearless. I took off traveling all all around Southeast Asia. Um, I actually um continued to uh, travel for a while my daughter wasn't graduating immediately mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i worked my way around and then i worked my way around into europe so i actually circumnavigated the globe the earth and um spent some time in portugal and did another meditation retreat there a 10 day one 
Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I still, I can't say I found myself in, in Burma at yeah. all. I think it, in a sense, I lost my sense of identity and uh, it didn't really come in handy in, in the path that I was choosing to go on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now where are you right now? Like, what are you doing today? All right. So right now I'm preparing. <laughs> Yeah, for my <laughs> this is such a juxtaposition because right now today I'm working on preparing for my annual Halloween sale of my online course on uh, called Pain Free Living with Natural Posture. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so and so you you started this Pain Free Living with Natural Posture because it was something that you were going through. Is that right? That's the story. Like so. To go to go back to when I was living in Hawaii and I was running a yoga studio, teaching yoga classes, living a very busy life. I had started the part that I actually forgot to mention. <laughs> it's sort of ironic, but I knew we'd be getting to it, I guess, um, is that I started struggling with physical pain. I started having a lot of pain in my right hip. It would keep me awake at night. Um, you know, sometimes I'd be lying on the floor in the living room while my family slept, stretching mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the night, trying to get relief so I could go back to sleep. I um, developed pain in my um, shoulder, upper back. And um, yeah, and I just, it would come and go, come and go, but I just could never get rid of it. And I kept it. I was being quite hypocritical because I had people coming to me as a massage therapist and as a yoga teacher to help them resolve problems that I was currently going through. Wow. And they were trusting me. Mm-hmm. And I was embarrassed and ashamed. And I also had a, a livelihood that was in, wrapped up in that. So I hid my pain. I just forged through it. But it just kept getting worse. And so before I went to Burma, I had this opportunity. I read an, well, I, read about this in a magazine or in a yoga magazine about the work of this woman in France by the name of Noelle Perez. And the article was written by two women who lived in California. Mm-hmm. One of them um, became my mentor, Jean Couch. And um, it just rang such a bell for me in terms of this um, natural, innate human alignment that we are all come into, I mean, if we're lucky enough to have been born healthy and all of that, um, that we come into the world with this uh, opportunity to live lives that are comfortable and that where our bodies move with ease and just like all other species. And um, so I had already met Jean. I had studied with her. It had completely, completely transformed my life and my relationship with my body. So I had this going for me when I went to uh, Burma mm-hmm. because um, I was able to sit. Well, I wouldn't say I sat comfortably at first, but I was able to put t- together, put to use what I knew. And that really um, propelled me, I think, in my meditation practice uh, and gave me really a lot of insight into studying my body as I sat. Um, you know, so much of meditation, so much of the way we um, address our lives 
on a daily basis has to do with the mind. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the body and we separate the body. We exercise, we do yoga, we stretch, we strengthen muscles, we do all of these things. And then we put that away. And then we go back to being in our, in our mind again and doing what we're doing. And what I had learned was a whole way of inhabiting the body all day long. I mean, as much as you can remember to, mm -hmm. um, but all day long in everything that you do so that here I was teaching yoga and I had pain and I can't blame yoga. Yoga was not the problem, but how my body was doing yoga was the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this is the same thing with anything that we do. And today we have this emphasis, I think it because of um, industrialization and technology Modern humans have taken on unnatural postures and have really become um, consumed by slouching. Mm -hmm. And in order to combat this tendency towards slouching, people have discovered working out and strengthening your core and building muscles. And that's great. It's all wonderful to a point. But then, of course, being humans, <laughs> we have also a tendency to sometimes take things too far. So now we have people who really don't like working out at all, but feel that they must. And they just, you know, and there's just this proud buffness to people these days, you know, where people just have these ripped muscles. And, you know, the reality is that if your six pack abs are strongly defined, you're actually advertising the fact that your real core strength is weak hmm. because the rectus abdominis muscles, the six-pack ab muscles, are the most superficial layer of the four layers of abdominal muscles in the body. And when you put all the strength in the most superficial muscles, i.e. the ones that show, um, you rob the deeper core of its strength. Right. And um, so, you know, just I, my mind was just being um, blown again and again as I was, you know, sitting in Burma, having these revelations when I was supposed to be emptying my mind, but, um, uh, but experiencing all kinds of things in my body. Um, so, yeah, I had kind of a different... So, but I think... Everybody has their own their own experience. It's all different. And I think your time in Burma, like you said, you were supposed to be emptying your mind, but maybe that is why you were getting that clarity because your mind was empty and you were more present in your body, you know, and that's sort of that mind body connection. So then you, so now you've, you've, you've healed yourself. And this is sort of a common theme that I hear from a lot of women entrepreneurs is that they, they are doing their passion projects now because, or their entrepreneurial businesses, same thing. Um, because mm -hmm. of a problem that they solved for themselves. So when was it that you said, okay, now I'm going to start this business. And I want you to talk a little bit about the journey of getting lift off on your business. Yeah. So for years I taught classes. It was just, I switched from teaching yoga classes to teaching classes in skeletal alignment. And along the way I relocated from Hawaii to Portland, Oregon, and I continued to teach in-person classes. Meanwhile, and which I loved. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love 
being with real people yeah. in, <laughs> in a, person, you know, yeah. you know, one-on-one or in a small, my classes were always small. I kept them small because they, you know, you can only have so many people doing this together at one time or so I thought. Um, but along the way I became, you know, aware that I was getting older and that I really felt this commitment to being able to share this work and the way that I had created it. Because what I've done is I've really emphasized um, this, the, the skeleton because we live in this muscle-centric society where we either you know strengthen muscles that are too weak or we stretch muscles that are too tight. And uh, we don't realize that actually strength and um, flexibility are actually sort of two sides of the same coin. In a way, you kind of can't have one without the other. You have to be strong and you have to be flexible and you don't have to work at it yeah. so hard. <laughs> Just have to inhabit a natural body and not be sedentary. So you can walk and you can garden and you can enjoy those physical activities that you do enjoy. But you don't have to go to a gym to be strong and healthy. And um, and actually, there, you, you, the body requires a balance between strength and flexibility because strength and flexibility are all founded around the, the musculoskeletal system, which is a system of pulleys and levers. So your bones are your levers and your muscles are the pulleys that move those bones. And that's their primary job. So making your muscles strong to hold you up straight um, robs the body of its flowing, easeful kind of movement that is also an integral part of being strong. So we just kind of need to have a, a whole mind shift around what strength is and what flexibility is. Mm-hmm. Look at it this way. If you build muscle and you stop working out, that strength is going to go away. Ditto if you stretch every day and you're very flexible. You stop stretching, over time, you're going to lose some of that flexibility. If you never stretch, like a lot of the people I saw and photographed and and met and talked to about all of this, I mean, about their own bodies and if they felt pain after carrying heavy rocks on their heads all day (laughs) and they didn't have pain and the next day they came back to move rocks on their heads again still with a smile on their faces um that it it's this uh easeful movement and the knowing how to align the skeleton that makes carrying heavy rocks on your head possible it's not about biceps and triceps and pecs and six-pack abs and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's just who we are. And we're the only species that does this to ourselves, you know, sculpts yeah. our body. Uh, it's kind of weird, actually. <laughs> so, Kathleen, so then you, you are doing a lot of this work, this skeletal work. You're teaching whether it was uh, one-on-one or in the studio with smaller yeah. groups. I know I know because you're in my mastermind group that you have an online program. So how, what, what was it that, right. you know, got you to. The so online? I would get people asking me, you know, do you ever come to Northern Michigan or mm-hmm. do you ever come to another country to, you know, and I, 
realized that there, and there are other people who do exactly what I do or their own version, but it's all based on the same source and the same outcome. Um, but I had really developed this um, concept that I was just explaining to you in a very visually graphic way that helps us understand that it's the skeleton that is the um, that is ignored. And if if we have our skeleton where it needs to be, that's what we need to know. And this is what should be taught to medical students, etc. So I decided, all right, I'm going to create an online course that puts it into video. My wonderful daughter, my oldest daughter, um, agreed to be my model for those segments. And then I created a lot of um, uh, illustrations and animations and things like that. And I put together this course and, um, and that's where things got really tough because I knew nothing, nothing about how to market. And I had basically kind of an aversion to, well, not kind of, very much <laughs> an aversion to selling. Right. You know, it was different when people came to your yoga class. It was understood, you know, it wasn't a huge sum of money and they just gave you money. They bought a series of classes or whatever. It didn't feel like I was telling somebody, you should buy this. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's that that's the been the hardest thing for me. And and not only that, just understanding how that world works. The and online marketing course, world. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that was hard. And I, I wasted a lot of time barking up the wrong, many wrong trees. Like give me an example of the wrong trees. Oh, I, I would, I would believe that this, that some program or another was going to be the right answer for me. And then I would realize once I spent a lot of money on it and I was trying to implement it, that really it wasn't that well suited for me. You know, it just didn't, it expected me to be somebody I really didn't want to be or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Like, so you're talking about like, um, how you could take all of those because by now you've you've got all of your recorded videos you you've structured your program in a way that was sort of like an in-studio program but now it's online and it's available sort of on demand so you don't have to you know wait for Kathleen to say hey listen I'm opening up this online program and you know wait for you know, the Tuesday lesson and the Wednesday lesson, it's like, it's all there. It's all ready to go. But then the challenge you had was, how do I get this out to the world? How, how do I, how do I inform yeah. the world and that I have this program? There are so many people out there who want this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have no, it's not like I need to convince, I do need to convince them because they don't understand what it is. But when people start to find out what this is, and they really start to grasp the um, underlying rationale and and all of that. It's people, and then people go through the course. They love mm -hmm. it, and they get they get so much out of it. I don't get people, you know, um, asking for their money back. There's a you know a period at the a trial period at the beginning. You can get your money back, no questions asked. It just doesn't happen. I mean, I've, out of 360 some people who've gone through the course. Maybe six people mm -hmm. have asked me 
for a refund within that trial period. And um, two of them have come back <laughs> at another oh, time. That's... So it could have so... been just the, the reason why sometimes, you know, people ask for their money back is they hit, yeah. this, they hit yeah. the buy button. Yeah. They knew that they just weren't going to have right. the time. Right. Um, and Absolutely. yeah, exactly. So you've got a, you've got a very clever marketing campaign coming up, which is the skeleton for Halloween. Tell us a little bit about yeah. what that program is and uh, when it will be available. Yeah, so uh, it starts on Halloween, mm -hmm. uh, October 31st, and uh, every year it starts with me sending out the same very silly email message that um, is my skeleton buddy, Bone Ami, um, it is writing the email, and it's full of, you know, little jokes from him and um, or her. I, I think it's a him. He looks like he has a pretty narrow pelvis. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, so, and I just, this subject can be so sort of heady sometimes that I, you know, and I have a quirky sense of humor and I, part of what, um, is helping me is embracing that and just allowing that humor to kind of come through, um, a, a bit more so that it's not always just me, blah, 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 mm -hmm. about these, these details. But I would say that, um, one of my biggest challenges is, shaping the message so that people understand, you know, if somebody's buying a program in yoga or cooking or decluttering your house or whatever it is, they know what it is they want and they know what it is they're getting. Um, with what I'm sharing, it's something new. It's a whole new concept. It's like, move your body, but don't move it that way. Move it this way. <laughs> you know, it's, um, yeah, I, there, it, there's a, a level of sharing information and informing people. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. And, uh, that's, that's a good thing. So that's a challenge of an entrepreneur. One of the challenges for sure is the selling part. How do, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we understand, we as entrepreneurs understand our offer the best. And we are coming at it from a position of, well, we've already gone through it. We've solved our own problem. And now we've become very familiar with the lingo. We've become very familiar with everything. And so what we sometimes forget is that we have to explain it to that person that I was five years ago when I was doing this mm -hmm. thing for myself. And so that, that's a really interesting uh, challenge that you're faced with. Um, but we all mm -hmm. face it. We all face that as an entrepreneur. So this this mm -hmm. sale, where so Kathleen, where can people find you to get a little bit more information about your program um, and even catch this Halloween feature? Yeah. So I have a website, mm -hmm. and it's very easy to remember. It is KathleenPorter.com. Kathleen Porter. So K. A T A Yeah, K A T H L E E N P O R T E R dot com. Okay. And on the homepage, uh, just scrolling down just a little bit, there's um, a way that uh, anybody that you want to learn more about this can uh, sign up for a free workshop. Mm -hmm. um, the workshop um, really tells, gives a lot of background information about this and also walks you through how to sit on your pelvis so that you can sit upright comfortably 
and work at your computer for a fairly long amount of time. Um, and um, yeah, it's um, it's a worthwhile thing. It's a pre-recorded uh, workshop, and there is a little sales pitch at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and to join your larger program, uh, it's, it's not like a hard sell, and you can like like it or not. But it's too no, yeah. it's not. It's it's never a hard right. sell, you know. But even yeah, uh -huh. okay. And so I'm just, but you know, I, I would say this, and this is really an important piece because this is what I have come to understand recent, more recently. Uh, which is that selling is can be looked as a a sacred act when you are absolutely confident and comfortable with the fact that what you are offering to people uh, it can be of great benefit to their lives, mm -hmm. and that's that's a really important uh, you know thing. I do love that because. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we can get a little bit into this sort of imposter syndrome as entrepreneurs and we're selling something and like what makes me better than so-and-so and so-and-so. -and -so. It's just really the way that you're presenting it from your point of view, from your passion. And when you're, when you're delivering that, as you say, it becomes where you believe it so much that well, why wouldn't somebody want to listen to that? You know? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. And I get the feedback, you know? Um, I mean, there are some people who sign up for my course when it's on sale and then they never even start it. <laughs> uh, I'd like to help them, you know, get restarted, but uh, a lot of people really get help from learning this. And, uh, and I even now I'm noticing more doctors beginning to sign up for my course. And I think it's because, they're so frustrated in not knowing how to help patients who have this. It's an unexplained kind of chronic pain. You don't really know for sure what's causing it. It's not something you can fix. It's something that only we ourselves can fix within ourselves by rearranging our bones yeah, like with along in the way that they're meant to be aligned. And it's not hard to learn how to do this. It just takes commitment to put it into practice yeah for sure Kathleen mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the podcast today yeah. you're a real pleasure you're awesome in the group uh in our mastermind group um so are yeah. you Lynette you're just a great spot I gotta yeah, say yeah so we've I mean, we all are in our own way. Yeah, we yeah we all contribute uh, in our own ways and uh, yeah so thank you for the time today um Everybody will know how to get a hold of you, KathleenPorter.com. And I'll make sure I put that link in the show notes. So thanks again, Kathleen. You've been a real pleasure. And I will see yeah. you, I guess, tomorrow at our early bird. Yeah, thank you. Okay.